We've been in a series. The series is called um, uh, Modern Problems, Ancient Solutions. And the attempt in the series is to address our very modern emotional issues, those negative emotions that you and I experience, how to deal with them with, some, with the scriptures. Those are the ancient solutions that we're looking for. We've addressed several last week. We've we addressed envy and how that affects us so deeply. Today, we're going to talk about fear. This is a big one. It's a big one because it's... Fear keeps us stuck. Stuck and broken in sin. Fear will keep us from obeying Jesus and doing what he's called us because we're worried about what will happen if we follow Jesus. Fear will rob us of the joy that God has given us in this moment because we're afraid of the horror that we'll experience in the future. Fear, fear is something that affects us all. So we're going to discuss this today, and what I want us to do is I want us to address it with open hearts. Now today we are not going to talk about the kind of fear that's good for you and me. You know, like, look both ways before you cross the street because you might get hit by a truck. That's a good fear. Some of us have been clean for a period of time or absent from alcohol or other drugs. And we said, I can't even look at an alcoholic beverage because of what I'm afraid will happen. That's a good fear. We need that kind of fear. In fact, in many ways, fear is the result of our ability to remember the past and project into the future. Fear is the result of reflecting on what's happened before and then thinking it through in the future and go, oh, okay. Like, oh, I can't go back out with that guy. I remember what that relationship was like. Or I'm not going to pursue that girl because I remember what happened the last time. Or I'm not going to drive 90 in a 45 because I remember what happened the last time I do. It's, a, it's the ability to reflect back and project forward. That kind of fear is necessary and needed. Because that fear is necessary and needed, God won't take fear completely away from you. God won't take it from you. Because if he took it from you, then there are some very dangerous things you would get involved with. There are some very dangerous people you would get involved with. There's some silly, silly things that we would do if we didn't have that level of fear. We need it. We have to have it. So the question in this particular, on this particular Sunday is not to be fearless, but to fear less. In fact, that's our big idea for today. Our, before I give you our big idea, I want you to know what the solution 
that God gives for fearing less. What God does is he comes in, he says, I know that fear has a way of paralyzing, capturing, consuming your soul. And I don't know what you're afraid of. I don't know, are you afraid of that relationship breaking up and disintegrating? I don't know. Are, are you afraid of what the doctor told you about the health crisis? Or maybe it's a health crisis of someone you love? Are you afraid of where your children are heading towards? Or what they're availing themselves to? Maybe you're afraid of never getting married. Or maybe you're afraid of staying in the marriage that you are now, that you're in now. I don't know what you're afraid of. I do know that God has a solution for fearing everything. He says, instead of fearing everything, I just want you to fear one thing. Because that fear will overwhelm all the other fears. It's called the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? Now, if you're new and you're here and you're going, whoa, 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 whoa. This is the kind of Christianity I totally abandoned when I was 18 years old because, or 17 years old or whatever it was. Because now we're talking about this great, big, scary God. And why would God want us to be afraid of him? Well, listen. When we fear little things, that is, things in this world, like some of the ones that I just mentioned, they only beget more fears. But when we fear the Lord, they erase all other fears. You see, because when you fear the Lord, there's a power to not fear anything else. I was with my father. I was very young. And I had this issue with this kid. And I wasn't going to fight this kid. I was like dainty and sweet and like, you know, I like jokes and stuff like that. I'm not going to fight nobody. My father, however, was a gangster. <laughs> and he did not like the idea that his son just got punked in McCarran Park. And so, so he saw it and he said, he leaned over and he seemed very convincing. He said, uh, Ed, you're going to kick his hiney or I'm going to kick your hiney. Now, I was stuck between a rock and a hard place because I knew I was going to lose this fight against this kid. But I can't imagine that this kid would be tougher than my dad. Right? I just can't imagine. And so I went there and I beat the brakes off that kid. I'm kidding. I lost terribly. It was an awful beating. I took it. It was terrible. But the fear, the fear of the Lord gave me courage. Now, this is a totally broken illustration because God is not like, God is not dysfunctional like that. Does that make sense? But it is true that because I feared something greater, it made me fear less something lesser. And that's the point that I want to make to you. That it's when we fear the Lord, fearing everything else becomes dialed way down. Why? Because the fear, fearing the Lord, will make you fear less. When you know that there is one who loves you, 
who is for you, who is with you, and who will guide you and lead you. It'll give you strength to deal with the unknown, with the uncertain, with the stuff that you don't know. Fearing the Lord will make you fear less. Now, we could have gone anywhere in the scriptures for this. This is pervasive. In fact, Jesus' number one, uh, well, before I get to that, like this is everywhere in the scriptures. It's everywhere in the scriptures. And Jesus uh, talks about how to deal with fear. The number one command uh, from Jesus' lips, are you ready for it? It's fear not. Fear not. Now that doesn't seem very helpful, does it? It's like, have you ever been afraid and somebody says, stop being afraid? Has that ever helped you? It's never helped me. It's like, it's like, oh, you scared? Stop. I'll try. Like even when my dad said, go over and fight, it didn't take away the fear. But Jesus gives this command over and over and over again. And if you just stay there, you get this very superficial thing where you can't cry at funerals, you can't be scared in uh, dark alleys, you can't like, like it just, but that's not all that Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying fear not because there's something greater to be feared that gives you power to, to encounter everything else. So, over and over, we could have gone to anywhere today. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 through 31. And we're going to see here that when we're afraid, we're given three opportunities and one command. Three opportunities and one command. We're going to look at it. Why don't you stand with me in Matthew 10, uh, verse 24 through 31. Let me give you the context. Jesus has been doing miracles. He's been showing uh, uh, the people who he is and has been glorifying himself. And he's now impressing on the hearts of his disciples that he wants them to do what we're, most of us are very afraid to do. He wants them to go out and talk about the gospel. He wants them to invite people into the kingdom of of God. One of the scariest things you could do, right? Some of us have not invited a person to a church service, shared our faith, told people about Jesus because we're so, here it is, afraid of what they might think of us. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he recognizes that there's much to be afraid of. These things are real, but there's something greater to reflect on. So we take it up in verse 24 as he's talking to them about going forward in the kingdom. And he says this, verse 24, the student is not above the teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them. For there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the rooftops. Do not be afraid, or fear not, of those who kill the body, 
but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. Fear not. You are worth more than many sparrows. This is our antidote to fear in life. Please have a seat. Jesus, he's speaking to his disciples. He wants to make sure that they get this. The point is so that they would go out and proclaim who he is, what he whispers in their ear. They should reach, they should scream from the rooftops what he tells them in private. See, well, let's just start from the beginning. In verse 24 and 25, when we are afraid, we are given three opportunities and one command. Here's the first opportunity. The first is to imitate Christ. Would you write that down? Um, by the way, inside your bulletins, if you haven't opened it up, there, uh, there is a, what we call a sermon map. The sermon map will help you to uh, remember this. It has the scriptures that we're dealing with today, and it also has the uh, points that we're making today. Because we say here that the shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. So go ahead. If you don't have a pencil, go ahead, or a writing utensil, go ahead and lift up your hand, and someone will get it to you. There's one in the corner over there. There's one over there. And there's a couple over here. Great. Keep your hand up until it gets to you. Okay. So he says, imitate Christ. The student is not above the teacher, nor the servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants to be like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? So let's look at this. So Jesus is saying, okay, listen to me. How did they treat me? It's a marvel that in America, we've sold this idea that when you come to Christ, everything should go your way. That there's nothing to be afraid of. You single, you're going to get married. Oh my gosh, they're going to be so fine, you can't believe it. Oh, you, you married, it's going to always be perfect. Oh, you're working, you're going to get a raise. Oh, you're not working, you're going to get a job. Like that in America, we have this idea that once we come to Christ, everything should come easy. I'm telling you, it's a lie from the pit of hell. And if you did not believe it, Jesus is saying this. The student is not above the teacher. The servant is not above the master. In other words, look at how they treated me. Look. They disrespected. They lied on. They physically abused. You want to talk about injustice? It was a kangaroo court that Jesus came up against. You want to talk about being misunderstood? His family, his mother and his brothers and sisters were literally at the door going, you're embarrassing us. Come over here. Beloved, when it comes to following Christ, we can do no better than Christ. And so that means that Jesus is promising you're going to have trouble. You're going to have issues. I, I, I need not be surprised 
when I'm going through marital issues, financial issues, when I feel anxious, when I'm lied about by other people, when I'm disrespected by someone. I should not be surprised by that. Why? Because a student's not above his master. This is an opportunity when you and I face fierce or scary or wondrous situations. It is an opportunity for us to go, oh, this is an opportunity to be like Jesus. Jesus, is this how you felt when they gossiped about you? The feeling that I'm feeling right now after my family has gossiped about me? Jesus, is this how you felt when someone lied about you? The feeling that I'm feeling when others lie about me? Jesus, is this how you felt when you were unjustly treated? When I am unjustly treated? Jesus, is this how you felt during times of temptation and it doesn't feel like it's going away? Jesus would say yes. Only a billion times more. A student is not above his master. It gives us an opportunity when fear is staring us in the face, when we are terrified about the thing that we're up against, when we know that God is telling us to go forward, but it looks like there's a dragon and a lion and fire and all that stuff ahead of us. We have an opportunity to imitate Jesus. Trusting ourselves in the hands of the Father. Now, that's tough to say. Because the stuff that we're afraid of is not small. It's terrifying. But Jesus would say, the first is to recognize that Jesus has already gone through whatever it is that you're going through. And that he tells you to follow him anyway. When we're afraid, we're given three opportunities and one command. The first opportunity is to imitate Christ. The second one is to share Jesus. Whenever you're afraid, it's an opportunity to share Jesus. Do you see that in verse 26 and 27? So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. Now listen, when I first read that, I was like, well, this is not very comforting to me. Because if we're talking about digging up my past and letting all of y'all know all the things that I've done, I'll be honest with you, I'm not excited about that. I'd rather that kept in the closet, to be honest with you. I know y'all are different, right? You know. But I wasn't excited about that. But in context, what Jesus is saying, what's going to be disclosed is who is for Jesus and who is not for Jesus. That there are people who say that they're for Christ, they're not for Christ. There are people who say that they're for Jesus, they're not for Jesus. Maybe you, maybe me. We want to be able to be people who are transparently surrendered to Jesus. Don't be afraid of them, for there's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. If you're for Christ, that will be made known. What I tell you in the dark, here it is, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. You see, when you and I are afraid, when you and I are up against terrifying circumstances, it is an opportunity for us to share Jesus. I mean, one of the greatest, uh, uh, well, I don't know if you could say one of the greatest, but there was a terrible tragedy that happened years ago. It was in an Amish community. There was a person who came in and like killed little girls 
in a school. Like it was awful. I can't imagine a more terrifying thing. And that entire community, what they did was incredible. After going through this terrifying thing, the greatest fear realized in their lives, one after the other came to court talking about forgiveness, that they had been forgiven. They had a community come around them and they came out and they said, we forgive you because we have been forgiven so deeply. We are overflowing that forgiveness on you. It is an opportunity to demonstrate to others who Christ is. Even when, you're, even when you're facing things that you don't know how you can get over, it's always an opportunity to share Jesus. We do that in a multiplicity of ways. And sometimes, listen to me, sometimes it's just standing firm and enduring. All of us know, or maybe some of us know, a person who's sick and who's dying but loves Jesus. And they can't do anything but lay in their bed and proclaim the goodness of God. They don't hide their ouchies. They don't keep a secret, their pain or their fear or their sorrow. But they can't stop talking about the faithfulness of Jesus in suffering. Because it allows them, that moment does, to share who Jesus really is. And he is a sustainer when the business is crashing to the ground, when the finances are not available, when the spouse is no longer, we're no longer on speaking terms with the spouse, when our kids are heading in a direction that we think is absolutely ruinous, when the doctor says it's terminal, get your affairs in order. We have an opportunity in those moments to go, this sounds really scary. And I'm not going to hide tears. And I'm not going to fake. I'm going to be right where I'm at. But what I am going to do is I'm going to declare with my fear and everything else that Jesus Christ is enough during this very scary moment. Some of us, we, we struggle in the dark. Things like addiction to alcohol or pornography or shopping or maybe other drugs. And we go, I can't give this up. If I give this up, there's too much fear. What, how am I going to make it through the day? How am I going to deal with my anxieties and fears and burdens? And, and I want you to know that, that Christ, Christ is enough. He's enough, even when you're giving up something that you think is your savior and that you think you need in order to get through the next bit. We can imitate Christ. We can share Jesus in the midst of our fears. And then finally, we can trust God. Not finally, but trust God, verse 29 through 31. It says here, and actually, yeah, let's do that real fast. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid you are worth more than many sparrows. Isn't that good? You see, what God is trying to communicate to us 
is that he knows us down to, do you know, like I learned this when my hair started to thin out. I learned that like the average, don't laugh, yeah, it's gonna happen to y'all too. And so, well, at least you guys. My hair started thin out. Um, when my hair started thinning out, I, 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 went to the, I went to a guy who was cutting my hair and he said, oh, you lose like whatever it was. I can't remember, like a hundred or something like that. Yeah, 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 you lose like a ton of strands of hair. Um, a day I was like, man, is there any way to like avoid that? And it's like, well, you do believe in Jesus, you know, you can pray, but other than a miracle, you're going to be losing about that much a day. But think about that. Every day I change. And every day Jesus knows right down to the depths. I can trust it. I can trust a God who loves me like that and who knows me like that. You mean the God who knows all of my fears and all of my faults and all of my sins. I can trust that God. But wait, wait, wait. I, you don't understand. I don't know how this one's going to end. In fact, what I'm doing, I'm doing, I remember, man, I was serving this church. And we were, God was doing miraculous things. There was no one else around. It was like, it felt like there was no one else around. There was a lot of people who were serving and doing good work and they were trying and helping to create this church. Man, I got into like $50,000 in debt buying some of the equipment that we still own. Making sure that the doors remain open. Making sure that everything was taken care of. And I was just thinking to myself, I don't make but $23,000 a year. How am I ever going to get out of this? And then we moved on, and in 2007, we became homeless. Not for a day, not for a week, not for a month. Homeless while serving in ministry. For those of you who think God owes you something because you've done a nice thing that day, I'm telling you, you have not read the scriptures. <laughs> the student is not above his master. We were serving the homeless, feeding the homeless, clothing the homeless, and we became homeless. Literally cooking our meals with the homeless, sleeping with the homeless, showering with the homeless. Me, and at the time we had four kids, we have six now. Four kids, we were doing all of that. And I was like, God, this ain't right. This ain't right. Something's got to change. What, what are we going to do? I'm in this much debt. There's no hope for my family. I feel like I've been abandoned by you. And God didn't abandon me. In fact, did you know, two chapters before Jesus talks about this, he has the disciples in a boat. He goes, go ahead and go out into the boat. And then Jesus takes the mother of all catnaps. In the wildest storm these guys had ever seen. And he's like, they go up to Jesus. You remember this story? They go up to Jesus and they say, teacher, don't you care if we drown Some of y'all are right there. The boat of your life is absolutely rocked. You are being blown by winds and waves and tossed to and fro. And you're like, he is asleep. And you're running to Jesus and you're going, Jesus, don't you care if I get fired? Don't you care if the cancer eats away at my leg? Don't you care? Don't you care? And you remember what happens in that boat? 
he wakes up and Jesus goes, you little sather. He goes, why don't you, why don't you believe? It's like, have you not seen these waves? Have you not seen this storm? We are hardened sailors and we, we know we're going to die. And Jesus then has a conversation with nature. And it's a very one-sided conversation, agreed. The command is simply this. Shut up and calm down. Water like glass. What's more interesting about that moment and about the moment where I was in, where Christ, where I felt like everything was coming out, down around my ears and that there was nothing I could do, was that when they saw that Jesus did this, they asked two questions, two questions that we should ask. One is, who on earth is this? Listen to me. You need to ask that question in the middle of your storm. Who are you talking to? Who are you? Who's this? Who's this Jesus? Secondly, they asked that question and then they, they said this. Mark says, they feared a great fear. Think about this. They were scared when the storm happened, but they were terrified when they saw who Jesus was. Why? Because Jesus is awesome. And he's more powerful than you can imagine. And Jesus is beyond your comprehension. He's bigger than you think, and he's bigger than you can think. Which leads us to our first command, which is this. We get to fear God, because when we fear God, we can, we can not fear. And we don't have to fear as much everything else. Listen to me. When you and I fear God, and what is the fear of God? The fear of God, it's, it's spoken about, many people speak about it as like awe, but it's, it is that in so far as it goes, but it's more than that. It's more than that. It really is an awe and a devotion and a focus. Because you see, here's the thing about fear. Fear and faith are not opposites. They're just different sides of the same coin. You know what fear is? Fear is a dedicated focus on the thing you're afraid of. Believing that that thing is greater than your God. Faith is the dedicated focus of trusting Christ and believing that Christ is greater than the thing that you fear. Do you see how fear is just faith on the dark side? Why? Because when we fear the Lord, that will make us fear less. 